Hello, and welcome to the Questions and Answers podcast with Dean Carmichael, Jr., a podcast dedicated to widely dividing the word of truth. And now your host, Dean Carmichael, Jr. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Questions and Answers podcast. We are picking up where we left off last episode with the prophecy of Daniel. And the reason we wanted to spend a little bit more time, this is a very important book of the Bible. It's really known as the Apocalypse of the Old Testament. And we talked a, a little bit about how, how Daniel is the fifth of the major prophetic books. You have Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. And then we covered, of course, Daniel, which focuses on the kingdom of the Lord. We, we've gone into each one of these major prophetic books and we, we really looked at the first nine chapters. And again, with us here is Dr. Brennan DuPont, and he'll be talking in just a, a few minutes. And of course, it's always good to have him on the program. So just to do a quick recap, the first six chapters of the book of Daniel focus more on the history of Daniel. Now, yes, there is some prophecy. If you listened to that podcast, you, you know that in chapter number two, there's the statue dream of Nebuchadnezzar that talks about the history of the Gentiles, the four great Gentile world empires, starting with Babylon, going down to Rome. You also have the tree dream of Nebuchadnezzar in chapter number four. You have the handwriting of the, the wall, so on and so forth. So there is a little bit of prophecy in the first six chapters, but the bulk of it, Chapters 1 through 6 is Daniel the man, his history, him as a captive of, of Israel going into Babylon. But when you get to chapter number 7, that is where from chapter 7 to chapter 12, that's where it gets prophetical. And we talked about the four wild beasts in chapter number 7. We talked about the ram and the he-goat, and then we touched a little bit on the 70 weeks of Daniel in chapter number Nine. Now, the, the beast vision there in chapter number seven, that lion represent, represents the, the, the kingdom of Babylon, which was equivalent to the, the, the head of the statue dream. Uh, the bear, which is Persia, the leopard, Greece, uh, Alexander the Great. The one-horned monster there. Now, that's very important. The one-horned monster with terrible teeth, uh, historically it was Rome, but also uh, there the little horn, that is referring to the Antichrist. Now, the everlasting kingdom, we talked about this as well uh, back in chapter number two with that, that stone, that's the representing uh, Jesus Christ. So Daniel 70 weeks in chapter number nine, we touched a little bit on that. And we talked about how each week is a time period in Jewish history. The first seven weeks, which is 49 years from the exile to the rebuilding of Jerusalem. The next 62 weeks is a period of 434 years of the Messiah to be crucified. And then the 70th week is the time of Jacob's trouble. In between that, that is the, the Gentile, uh, the time of the Gentiles, the age of grace that we're living in now. We don't know how long that is. Um, it could be any moment. It, it could be another 100 years until uh, the, the church is raptured. Out. So here we are again. Uh, we're talking about the book of Daniel. We're going to close this out, going to close out the major prophetic books, and then we'll get into the minor prophetic books next week. But we're going to look at Daniel chapter number 10 
uh, through chapter number 12. And we start out here, uh, very interesting chapters. In chapter number 10, um, Daniel is, is met with a messenger. And I'm reading here, Daniel chapter 10, verse 4 through 6. And in the 4 and 20th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, which is Hittichel, then I lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold of Uphaz. His body also was like the barrel, and his face as the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire, and his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass, and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude." Some people will tell you that that is Michael the Archangel, and again, we like to use on this, this podcast, compare Scripture with Scripture. Revelation chapter 1, 12 through 15, and I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one likened to the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes as a flame of fire, and his feet like under brass, and if they burn in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. That right there, that is the Lord of glory. And it is very interesting there, um, because in in chapter number one of, of Revelation, here is John. All the way, all the way into the New Testament. You're talking AD 90, um, and here's Daniel, um, just years before that. So, so, so much of a, a gap between this. The Lord Jesus hasn't even came yet, and then you have John's um, post ascension when he sees this, this here. But uh, we do believe this is the Lord of Glory, and he's accompanied um, with a a heavenly angel who is very uh, similar, we believe it to be the same one in Daniel chapter 8, and that is the messenger uh, Gabriel. And in Daniel chapter 10, verse 12 and 13, that he said unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. And he is going to explain to, to Daniel of uh, the prophecy here, but there's one thing that he says, and he says, um, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remain there with the kings of Persia. Now, this is very important here. Um, no human mortal uh, is, is going to give a supernatural being, um, as the angel Gabriel, a, a hard time. So what this is referring to, this is talking about the spirit world. It's talking about the kingdom of darkness. And again, with us as um, a recurring guest on this podcast, uh, Dr. Brandon DuPont. So good to have him. I'm going to have him talk a little bit about uh, the, the kingdom of darkness and the, the spirit world in, in Daniel chapter number 10 here. It's good to be here uh, again. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, just to, to briefly uh, echo what you were saying about uh, the description of that man in Daniel 10 uh, being the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, those, those that hold to the interpretation that is, this is the Archangel Michael, uh, it, it must be pointed out that Michael is, is specifically mentioned by name uh, when he's being talked about uh, in, in just a few short chapters. So again, the, the um, 
it, the inconsistency of describing one that, that fits the description of Christ and yet naming Michael and then trying to hold the two of them uh, to be the same person uh, doesn't really line up with Scripture with that. We, we do see, again, that messenger coming, uh, the best description of that being Christ, the battle that you're looking at. Uh, the, the kingdom of darkness there is, again, it, it is an opportunity. You, you see a great attempt to withhold the message that is being given to Daniel, um, the, the understanding that he is having of it. Um, you, you see the, the great, uh, again, the, the attempt is the best word I can use there of the spirit world, the, the battle between good and evil there, uh, to hold back that understanding because you see, uh, again, the importance of what is being delivered there, the, and the importance of the message that is being given. And it gives us, the, the thing that we see here, Daniel 10 is a prelude into uh, 11 and 12 there, where you have a strong description of both an earthly king and a greater description, an ultimate description of the Antichrist. And anytime uh, the Antichrist is revealed or anytime he is spoken of, he is going to do his very best uh, to try and hinder those who would come against him or would hinder his message or his effectiveness. We see that same principle when we look over in Revelation chapter number six, uh, during the great tribulation period or the tribulation period, the, the first part of it, uh, you see those who are martyred for their faith and those being Jews there. Uh, the reason being uh, that, that they are martyred for their faith there is they are going to make up uh, part of that remnant that goes out and speaks uh, with, with great power and great authority uh, about the true coming Christ and the, the coming of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom that's given. And that is uh, certainly goes against uh, the authority and, and the, the government that is set up at that time, being a, uh, a government set up by the Antichrist himself or by Satan himself, ruled by the Antichrist, the false prophet. So there's a great attempt to hinder that. And the same thing we can see here, though it's not given as much description in the book of Daniel. Many things were hidden uh, uh, prior to that time. There's we we look here, we can see. Uh, that there's much mentioned about the Jews, about the tribulation. Uh, there's nothing mentioned about the church age. So again, uh, this is, um, though it's, it's clothed in, in, in one sense there, a lot of it is, is kind of hidden at the time being. It wasn't uh, yet ready to be revealed until John the Revelator. But uh, again, you see the spiritual warfare, the attempt of Satan to do his best to hinder uh, this message and this, uh, this prophecy from coming to Daniel. Now, looking at the prophecy, uh, that again, that um, chapter 10 sets up, chapter 11 and 12 go into in detail. Well, chapter 11 mainly goes into in detail. This prophecy was so specific uh, that many, many um, opponents of the gospel take this and they will look at the book of Daniel and they will look specifically at Daniel 11 and say that it was impossible that Daniel was given such a specific prophecy, that he was given uh, names and times and the understanding of the dividing of kingdoms and the seeing of kings being set up. Uh, this is something, again, that is greatly, greatly debated. Even some, unfortunately, even some um, theologians will, will even debate and say that this book was written uh, at a later time than, than what it was originally authored. But uh, that just shows the, the accuracy. It, it shows the inspiration of this book. It's a testimony to uh, just how perfect the, the prophecy of God is. Matter of fact, in, uh, one of the laws there for an Old Testament prophet was if those prophecies did not come true, uh, especially if it was something that was given to be a um, 
carried out in a short period of time, uh, they were actually uh, under the punishment of death with that as being a false prophet. So Daniel here, uh, again, really uh, lays out uh, the history, secular history of these Gentile world kingdoms that are going to be set up, carries it from the time of Darius all the way through until the, the um, second coming of Christ, gives great detail to these things, again, with the omission of the church period. But this is, is greatly attempted to be hindered uh, by Satan and by those who would come against him there. We see Michael that is going to be set up there. Michael is always uh, he is the only archangel referred to in Scripture, and he is, is uh, always set up as a defender. We always see him portrayed as a defender of the nation of Israel, Gabriel being that messenger angel. Again, Gabriel's the one who uh, announced the birth of Christ. He is the one who um, came in and uh, is, is going to be the one that sounds the trumpet during the rapture of the church. So again, that messenger role is his. But Michael is that fighting angel. He's that, that warrior angel that is to protect and, and govern over uh, Israel there. So we see him uh, prominent in that battle also. And, and, and Paul said that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rules of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And nothing more here. The, the Satan um, did not want um, Daniel uh, to, to know about this. He's Again, Satan is just opposing what he's always done. And that's the, the, the word of God. He's doing his best. And um, you, you had mentioned something uh, about how the book of Daniel is attacked by a lot of scholars. I want to say apart from the book of Daniel, there would be the book of Genesis and probably the book of Jonah that is the most attacked um, by a lot of scholars. Would you agree? Uh, absolutely. You look at the – well, if you can – especially from the standpoint of Genesis, if you can disrupt or you can cause doubt uh, into the creation account there, that's why we have such a strong push uh, of evolution and that uh, what people don't realize, many people don't realize is that evolution is, is not just an alternative uh, to creation. It is a, a very much a, um, a, under a, a very, for lack of a better phrase, demonic influence when you look at it because evolution at its core uh, teaches that man has no value, that man has no purpose, that we're just here for the day, um, and and once we're gone, we're gone there. But again, what it does is it undermines the the very creation of God. And if you can undermine the creation of God, then you can undermine uh, sin and its judgment. You can undermine a need for righteousness and a need for redemption. Uh, you can undermine everything else the gospel message has to say if you can take out um, creation. Now, you made mention. Uh, just a second ago, of uh, Satan being the one that's that's in the background of these things. And, and it's interesting you said that because Daniel is not the only prophet uh, that touches on that. When we see, um, when we look at Isaiah chapter number 14, verses 12 through 17, we have a description that is ultimately given to the king of Babylon, who is going to very shortly uh, come against the nation of Israel there, especially the southern two tribes of Judah. Uh, Isaiah is prophesying this beforehand, but that prophecy goes beyond. Uh, it, it goes well beyond the, the king of Babylon and gives a description uh, of the source of that power, the source of that evil uh, being Satan himself. There's certain phrases uh, that, that speak of, um, that, that can fit only to um, only to Satan there, where the, the five I wills, I will exalt my throne, I will be like the most high, 
um, all the things that Satan attempted to do in his uh, before his pride, the, the name Lucifer there, the, the morning star, the day star. We also look at Ezekiel 28. Uh, we, we see verses 11 down through verse 17 there, looking at those. And it's given he's the, the anointed cherub there. This is uh, originally, uh, and in context there, it is a, a, a brief description of the king of Tyree. Uh, but it also, again, goes much further than the king of Tyree, saying that was in the Garden of Eden. Um, goes far past that and gives an accurate description of Satan. Both of those, uh, Satan being the, the uh, source of what energizes uh, the evil in both of those. And it's interesting, uh, looking at the king of Tyre and Ezekiel, uh, the city of Tyre or the city of, of uh, uh, Taurus, there was a commercial city, a very, very profitable, a material city, uh, that, that speaks of earthly riches and earthly gains. The, the king of Babylon, the city of Babylon, has uh, always been known uh, for the, the false religion and uh, always been known for uh, the idol worship and, and the apostasy and all those things that come in with it. Uh, and that speaks of, of, again, the heaven there. And, and Satan's desire has always been uh, to be king of heaven and earth there. So both of them picture uh, a desire of his from different aspects. And talking a little bit, too, um... And while we're on that, um, you, you had mentioned um, uh, about Antiochus Epiphanes. And when, when we get to um, chapter number 11, um, you, you had spoke about, again, going back to the, the book of Daniel being attacked. It, it was so accurate. He, he's going all the way up to Antiochus Epiphanes, uh, 171 B.C., Right. I mean, he's going hundreds of years and he's he's down to the letter. Uh, he's talking about the, the rule of the four Persian kings, uh, the, the war uh, with Greece, Alexander's rise and fall, his fourfold empire. That goes back to uh, the, uh, the the statue there. But uh, going on, the the Egyptians in Syria, the the unsuccessful retaliation of Syria, this, uh, Egypt had a civil war. The, Syri the Syrian occupation of Palestine, so on and so forth, uh, the Maccabean revolt, the eventual defeat of the Maccabeans, and all of that um, is covered in Daniel chapter number 11, uh, verse 1 through 20. And again, that is not a encyclopedia. That is not a history book. That is, that is Daniel chapter 11, verse 1 through 20, hundreds of years before it even happened. There's Daniel getting that prophecy. And now in chapter number 11, so we, we've talked a little bit about um, Antiochus Epiphanes, I'll let you go into detail about him. I'll just kind of give a, a, a brief background of this man. He is a type of the Antichrist. Uh, you have in Daniel chapter 11, you have the, the historical little horn, which is Antiochus Epiphanes, but you also have the prophetical little horn, which is the Antichrist. So Antiochus Epiphanes, he was a Jew hater. Syrian king, um, he, he uh, was very blasphemous, um, did very blasphemous things in the temple. He um, murdered, I believe, over 40,000 Jews. And so uh, talk to us a little bit about this, uh, this Antiochus Epiphanes. This is a man, uh, very, very interesting in scripture, and it's, it's, it has to be noted there, as we, we talked about before, um, when you look at this, you're starting with Darius, you're given, as you said earlier, the four um, Persian kings that come that, that'll they'll precede him, or 
succeed him come afterward, you're looking at Alexander the Great, uh, which is one of the most prominent figures in history. And then you have the, the prophecy there, and that goes Darius starting around 539, Alexander the Great, if I'm not mistaken, his death was 323 uh, BC. Then you come over and you deal with this man, Antiochus Epiphanes. And, and the amazing thing about this is this man, as far as secular history goes, was almost, uh, I don't want to say insignificant, but very, very, um, very small scale compared to some of the other kings uh, that preceded him and some of the other rulers at that time. You had the rising of the, uh, the Roman Empire. Alexander, again, would have been the most prominent figure at that time as, as Alexander came and swept through the known world very quickly from a very young age. And the influence of Greece was still around even during Roman reign there when you see uh, Christ there in, in, and uh, Christ when he had come to the earth in his first advent there under the Roman power, a Jew, the, the nation of Israel under the Roman power there. Uh, but you still see the Greek influence in the cities that are set up, the languages that are being used, all of that. And yet in Daniel, as, as prominent as Alexander is, as Darius is, as all these men uh, to history, in Daniel, the focus is on this man, Antiochus Epiphanes. And what he was, uh, was he was a solution general. Because when Alexander died, he died very unexpectedly, died from a young age. Uh, there was no successor to the throne that was ready to take it. So his four generals uh, took the, the kingdom that he had set up and it was split and divided among those four. Him being one of them later on down the road again, coming in uh, his, his, I shouldn't say him being one of them. He came in later on, but the, the area that he ruled there, that solution area uh, being one of the divided areas of the kingdom of Alexander. And then later on down the line, um, Alexander, uh, excuse me, Antiochus comes in here. But as we look at this man, he's described in Daniel uh, 11 there, uh, specifically 21 through 24. And we see several phrases that show us that this is a very accurate type of the Antichrist. In verse number 21, uh, it says, he shall come in peaceably. In verse 24, he shall enter peaceably. Looking at those, we see here how the Antichrist is uh, when we look in the book of Revelation, we see here that the Antichrist ascends to the throne, uh, not by great war and great power, but by great persuasion. He is very, very smooth. He is a, uh, most Bible scholars believe he will be a brilliant orator, a tremendous politician of sorts there. He will be able to do uh, what no other uh, politician and no other uh, league has ever done, and that is to bring a, a false covenant of peace between the Jew and the, and the Arabian nations, the, the, the Arab nations. And because of that, he will be exalted uh, as, as a throne there. They will look at him and they will say, this has to be the Messiah there. This has to be the one. And several other things that we look at with him. Um, verse 23, after the league made with him, uh, he shall work deceitfully. Uh, again, what a picture of the antichrist there and the fact that once they get in that that false peace covenant is established halfway through the tribulation the ushering into the back half or what is referred to as the great tribulation uh, he breaks that covenant we see uh, what is referred to in in the book of daniel also the book of matthew as the abomination of desolations and, and what that phrase means it, it's a specific event there uh, and a specific occurrence that comes there in type uh, Antiochus did this. Well, let me backstep. The, um, the, the phrase itself is a phrase that refers to the time when the Antichrist will stop 
the Jews from being able to go in and to do their temple worship and sacrifice. And he will set up his own altar, his own, um, his own image in the temple, and they will be forced to worship him there uh, as God. Uh, Second Thessalonians speaks of that also. Um, presenting himself as God is what the, the Bible refers to. Uh, that, was fill, uh, that was fulfilled in type by Antiochus there. He, he desecrated the temple and then he went in and he offered a swine there on, um, on the altar, an unclean animal, desecrating uh, the temple and the Jewish religion and causing them, uh, trying to force them to worship him. Even the name uh, or the title Epiphanes there, uh, the, the word actually means glorious. And it was a title that was given by himself or given uh, of himself. And it speaks of his desire uh, to be looked at as a God there. Um, same, same thing holds true with the Antichrist. He will present himself that he is Christ, present himself that he is God. Uh, again, a beautiful parallel uh, between the, this man and the Antichrist as far as the, the accuracy of Scripture and typology when we look at it. Uh, there's one other verse specific, specifically excuse me, mentioned in Daniel 1130. Um, excuse me, let me back up, not 1130, uh, 11.37, where it says, neither shall he regard the God of his fathers. This is a specific term here that is being referred to when it, re when it says, neither shall he regard the God of his fathers. This phrase here uh, gives a reference and gives an indication that uh, most, most of your Bible scholars hold to that the Antichrist himself will have to be of Jewish descent. The reason that is so important and the reason that it is something that, that has to be looked at there is because, again, the Jews, uh, the nation of Israel, when he first comes, they will receive him as the Messiah. Remember, as, as of right now, they deny the Lord Jesus Christ. They deny the New Testament. Uh, they will receive the, the Antichrist. They, they um, will refuse him. Uh, Jesus said, uh, one shall come. He said, I, I come in... Um, and another, it, one shall come in my name that you'll receive, and, and uh, him you'll follow. He comes uh, exalting himself, and they'll follow after him. But he has to be of Jewish descent, because in order for him to be even looked at as the Messiah, he's going to have to be of the same nationality uh, of Israel. Otherwise, they would reject him. Right, he, he, and he will be a, a false Christ. And in, in Revelation chapter 6, he, he comes in, he's... He's riding on a white horse, and that that that's is, there's peace, but that peace is followed with war, and then famine, and then death. It is not a real peace. Uh, but there's another rider of a white horse. We all know that as the Lord Jesus in Revelation 19:11. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he does judge and make war. And the 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 Antichrist you did a really good job um, just you know, drawing that parallel there. I appreciate that. And just how, again, first three and a half years, that's his rise. That's going to be the, 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 the peace there, the treaty with Israel in the last three and a half years will be his, his reign. Um, we talked about him last time. He's known as the little horn, the king of fierce countenance. He's the, the man of sin, the son of perdition. And, He's he again. He he will appear to be like Christ, but um, but but he's not. So, chapter eleven really deals with uh, the the Gentile nations. There, chapter twelve is a little different. We were talking about this just before we came on. Chapter twelve, 
of course, it, it mentions, it starts out with Michael the Archangel, and it's talking about, and of course, you had mentioned earlier, let me not get ahead of myself, but you had mentioned earlier, um, when, when Michael is mentioned, is um, very close with the nation of Israel, and talking about Daniel chapter 12, this is going into the time of Jacob's trouble, which is the, the tribulation period. Can you just give us a, a, just a brief overview of chapter number 12? As you said, chapter 12 there deals primarily uh, with the nation of Israel there. And it is, a, a again, a, a recap there of um, that, the Great Tribulation period. Verse 1 says, and at that time, uh, that's giving a reference. Uh, it dates back to um, chapter 11, verse 40, where it says the time of the end. Uh, that, that time there, we see in, in verse 1 again, there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since a time that the nation uh, even since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at, at this time, thy people, uh, the, the phrase thy people there is a reference uh, to the nation of Israel. It's used all throughout the books of Daniel, uh, but it is giving, a, again, a understanding of uh, that time of Jacob's trouble. Jeremiah 30 and verse number seven gives us that. Uh, dates all the way back to the first mention of it, looking at it is Deuteronomy 4 uh, and verse number 30. Also gives a reference, and I want to touch on this, uh, for just a minute, read a couple of verses um, that need to be brought out because this is something that unfortunately is is very much misunderstood by many people. Many people today have looked at uh, at this uh, specific scripture and have tried to make claims to it that it is happening now, and we need to understand that it is not. And that's Matthew twenty four. When we look at Matthew twenty four, uh, Jesus speaking, especially verses twenty one. Uh, and 22 there it says for then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world so to this time no nor ever shall be and except those days should be shortened there shall no flesh be saved but for the elect saves those days shall be shortened this is this looking at this the the tribulation period uh, you really have to be able to tie together matthew 24 uh, as you, you stated earlier at the beginning of, of the, the broadcast, tying Scripture with Scripture, Matthew 24, Daniel 12, and also the, the book of Revelation, especially chapters 6 through 19 there. But looking, um, you, you have people, and I've heard people uh, sadly say that, that apply this to the church age and say, oh, you, you've got to endure unto the end. You've got to hold on. If you, uh, if you let go, you lose it and all this. Uh, th that has nothing to do with us. Uh, th this is not dealing with the church age. This is dealing, as, as Matthew primarily is dealing with the, the nation of Israel, but this is dealing with that tribulation period. Such a time uh, has never been. Now, you think about that statement, how bad this tribulation is going to be when you think about things like the Holocaust that have taken place during the, the reign of Hitler, and you think about the great persecution that the Jews have, gone, have, have dealt with throughout the history, you think about the Babylonian captivity um, that, that uh, Israel was in, even at the time that the book of Daniel was written and, and how bad that captivity was when, when the, the um, southern tribes of Judah were besieged there. The, the, the three uh, different deportations, 606, 597, 586, uh, th those, how bad that suffering has been. And yet it says that there's not been a time that has that is compared nor will there ever be a time uh that is that bad and and uh in, in matthew 24 and, and you look at verse except those days should be shortened there shall no flesh uh be saved but for the elect's sake there uh this is is such a a bad time time so bad that it would literally 
uh, result in the extermination of the entire human race uh, if it weren't shortened by Christ's return there. When you think about that, uh, that, that's an amazing, amazing statement as to just how bad this judgment is going to be. Now, looking at it, the tribulation, um, yes, it involves Gentile nations. Yes, it involves uh, the Ten Kings, and we, we understand that. And, and the, the, the revised Roman Empire, we, we get that also. But when you look at the tribulation period, the primary focus of that tribulation uh, is the judgment that is brought upon the nation of Israel. And the reason for that judgment, uh, Jesus said, uh, he came, uh, the, the Bible says that of Jesus, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. Numerous times, numerous times, you have the, the pre-runner in John the Baptist, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, numerous times throughout the, the earthly ministry of Christ, did he offer to restore and to take care of Israel, and they rejected him. Um, that they had that opportunity and they refused him. They were looking for a political king and not for a redeemer. They were looking for one to set them up uh, and take them out from underneath of Roman bondage and put them back into a place of prosperity as they had during the days of David, especially during the days of Solomon. And yet they did not want uh, a ruler that looked, uh, that looked or that acted or that came for the purposes of Christ. And we look and we see even in the, the book of Acts chapter seven, when you have, uh, really the last opportunity that is given to Israel prior to them going into a place of judgment. As, as the book of Romans tells us, they were uh, that the natural olive branches grafted out and the wild olive branches brought in. But just before that time, uh, you have uh, the, the account of Stephen, the first martyr, and he is standing. And as he is being stoned, he said, behold, I see Christ standing on the right hand of God everywhere else. You see him seated on the right hand of the Father, but where he is standing, it is significant in the fact that it shows a willingness to action. Christ was ready to come and redeem, and they refused him once again. So in that refusal, the tribulation here, this judgment, this horrific judgment that is being poured out, is being poured out for the primary purpose of the judgment of Israel, uh, the nation that has rejected their God. Now, uh, all of that, uh, I'd be lying to you if I said I could make sense of all of that, because the Bible is very clear. Uh, the Abrahamic covenant is still uh, it's still in effect today. It's never gone out. It never will go out. And God told Abraham very clearly, I'll bless them that bless thee. I believe it was F.B. Meyer that made the statement, um, speaking of the nation of England, he said, I, I watched God strip my nation of its power when we took our hand off of Israel. You look at uh, England that, that produced preachers such as, as Charles Spurgeon, F.B. Meyer, uh, Packer. I mean, just uh, tremendously godly men. And yet now, uh, I believe it's, I think they said 4% of England um, even goes uh, to church on a regular basis and regular being one time a month. So to, to make full sense of it, um, I, I, I honestly, I can't do it. But I do know the Bible teaches that we are to stand by Israel uh, even though they're going to be judged, one day they'll be restored. Um, the, the Apostle Paul tells us in the book of Romans that if their if they're setting aside was glorious for the Gentiles and the fact that the wild olive branch, uh, branch was grafted in, how much more shall the restoration be glorious? So it's, it's again, a, a very deep, deep, deep study when you look. And, and even, um, even the, the brevity of, of chapter 12 just... Uh, 13 verses in the book of Daniel, but a, a tremendous message that shows uh, that judgment being poured out on the nation of Israel.
And going back real quick, you, you mentioned Matthew 24, and I'm glad you did. One of the most important verses of that chapter, the Olivet Discourse, is, is verse number six. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. That is a key part. That right there, that's the church age, right? I mean, that wars, rumors of war, even talks about um, kingdom against kingdom, famines, pestilences. Hey, we're living in one of those right now. I mean, we're living in a global pandemic. That happens. But as he goes on in verse number nine, it says, then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted. Now we're getting, now we're getting out of the church age. Now we're going to the tribulation age. And I liked how you you mentioned the part about um, comparing Matthew 24 with Daniel chapter number 12 because it's very important. There's a very key thing. That, as we mentioned last time, um, Isaiah, salvation of the Lord, Jeremiah, judgment of the Lord, Ezekiel, glory of the Lord, Daniel, the kingdom of the Lord. Now, in Matthew chapter number 24, talks about of the gospel of uh, the kingdom there. As you mentioned, in enduring to the end, that is not the church age. Well, the gospel of the kingdom, uh, that is not the church age either. We, we preach the gospel of, of grace. And yes, Jesus Christ said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist said the kingdom of heaven was at hand. But he was, uh, the, the kingdom of heaven was at hand, but it was in the person of the king. So in the tribulation stage, they will be, the tribulation saints will be preaching the gospel of the kingdom because it really will be at hand. The Lord, not the rapture of the church, that has already happened. The day of Christ has already happened. The church is long gone. We're in, we, we, we left with the Holy Spirit. But the day of the Lord, that verse I was reading earlier, uh, in my opinion, the greatest verse of the entire Bible, Revelation 19, verse 11, it's the climax of the entire Bible and I saw heaven open and you know here he comes right it is that white horse that's the return of the Lord and that's what they're preaching about there so um, very good comparison there Matthew 24 Daniel chapter number 12 um, has a lot to do with the Jews there it's talking about the time of Jacob's trouble which is the tribulation period uh, we couldn't go too deep but um, I'm definitely glad you, you came on brother uh, I think we did a, a decent job I'm just kind of talking about these three chapters. You got anything um, you want to get off your chest before we close this thing? Let me bring one point out um, that is something that has tripped up a lot of people, and, and that is in Daniel 12, chapter um, verse number 2 there, it says, And many of them that slept in the dust of the earth shall awake, and some to everlasting life, and some to shame uh, and everlasting contempt. This is dealing with uh, the resurrections there. As we look at these resurrections, there is a great split depending on who you read behind um, that, that will argue about these resurrections. Is it uh, the church saints? Is it uh, tribulation? Uh, is it you know, good on one side and bad on the other? And we know this. Uh, th this is something that has to be looked at because during, uh, dealing with these resurrections here, again, this is speaking of the tribulation period. And we see there, uh, I believe it, off the top of my head, I'm looking at Revelation 6. You have a group that is seen uh, under the altar. And then again in Revelation chapter uh, 7, they are looked at again. Revelation 13, uh, there's more that is added. Uh, God tells him in Revelation 6 to wait 
uh, until the time that their their brothers shall come in like in like manner there um, shall be killed because the the again speaking of the tribulation saints that will be killed during that time martyred for their faith. Uh, looking at that, I personally hold to the interpretation in Daniel twelve. They're speaking of the revelations, uh, excuse me, of the resurrections that you are dealing with a group uh, revelation saints. You are dealing with two re two uh, different resurrections. One being in Revelation chapter twenty of the re uh, of the uh, tribulation saints, and then you look at Revelation chapter um, 20 verses 11 through 15, and you see the great white throne judgment. Prior to that, in the earlier part of the chapter, again, dealing with the tribulation saints. Uh, in the latter part of the chapter, dealing with uh, those that are um, going to be brought into wickedness there. So those, uh, again, neither one of those resurrections are dealing with the rapture of the church or, or anything along those lines. Yeah, you got the, the cry of the martyred there. Um, and I believe it's uh, Revelation. Is there's that there's that interlude uh, when after the seven seal uh, books are open. So, um, really, really do appreciate you coming on, brother. We could we could get deeper in that, and we are um, probably going to come back to this. Not the book of Daniel per se, but we will be back um, after we touch the minor prophets. Of course, we will hit uh, Revelation. I'm looking at at least at the very least, um, a, a two-parter, but it, it may have to go further than that. Um, but we'll definitely have to get a little deeper into um, the, the tribulation and, and so forth. So, uh, brother, it's, it's always a privilege having you on here. I appreciate the opportunity. Like I said, I, I always enjoy being on it. And if, if you would, um, those of you who are listening, um, email email us some, some questions. Um, season one – uh, I've dedicated this to prophecy. We had a lot of good questions about prophecy. So um, each season will have a different theme. Uh, so go ahead and, and send me an email. If you have a, a Bible question in general, um, send, send me an email too. Uh, but it's qabible at outlook.com. So Q is in question, A is an answer, B-I-B-L-E at outlook.com. Send your question and I will... Uh, do my best to get you an answer, may even be able to feature it on the podcast here. So on behalf of Dr. Brandon DuPont, uh, this is Brother Dean Carmichael, and until next time, may the Lord bless you. Thanks for listening to the Questions and Answers podcast with Dean Carmichael, Jr. Now, you can email your Bible questions to QA. D-I-B-L-E at Outlook.com. That's Q as in question, A as in answer, B-I-B-L-E at Outlook.com.